Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. If you are ready to be a fly on the wall for some deep and delicious conversation, then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about planting new thought seeds and empowering our black minds to go deeper, touching on topics that most people may not think to think about. And we do this with everyday real people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, Master NLP and Hypnosis Practitioner and Trainer, Author, Speaker and Coach and the Founder of the Black Mind Garden Community. I'm here to motivate, empower and inspire you to be powerfully in the driver's seat of your mind and think outside the box so you can have the deepest experience of joy, success, freedom and peace of mind in all areas of your life. Now, let's get to the good stuff. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know every time we release another mind remapping meal for you. Okay, y'all, let's get meta. Hello, hello, hello. I am excited today because today I actually have a very special guest who is here, who um, I'm going to be introducing. And today we're actually talking about critical race theory. And I know that this is something that um, has been um, in the news and and around uh, being talked about more and more. But my guest today, Sean Blunt, is um, gonna be chatting with me today about, we're gonna talk about the importance of educating ourselves about this as well as educating future generations because as a parent it's for me it's extremely important for um, not only myself but my son to know the entire history so without further ado let me bring my new friend and my guest today sean blunt there he (laughs) is Hi, <laughs> How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just excited to be doing this with you, with you today. Thank you for taking the time out because I know you are a busy, busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. I certainly appreciate it. You know, I want you to introduce yourself first and foremost before we get into the topic and talk about a little bit about, first of all, your podcast and then what you do and why you um, engage in these kind of conversations? Because I think it's important to know a little background information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and for everyone that's listening, my name is Sean Blunt. Uh, I, I go by that moniker, Sean B. <laughs> uh, put a little mystery there until the, to today. My mystery is now out there. So, uh, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. It's okay. It was bound to come out one day. Um, and so I, I developed my podcast. Um, it, it really originated from what we call happy hour, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a friends, uh, had friends that I work with, and I work for the federal government. Um, so right now uh, I'm in a management position with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And uh, as you know, some folks may know that a lot of times it's forbidden to really talk about politics in the work work site, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So for us, uh, you know, we are human and we are citizens, but we, we can't take a blind eye to things that are happening in the world. So, you know, for our safe spot was for a bunch of us to meet happy hour over some drinks to kind of talk about things that are relevant mm -hmm. to our community, things that's relevant to the United States. And that's where we can let our hair down and, and be able to have these type of discussions. Mm -hmm. And so one of my friends, you know, threw up this idea, hey, maybe we should do a podcast, right? So we can really um, talk about some of these issues that most folks may not be aware of including myself, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I have friends and families that are, you know, they're educated and some uh, have a, a, a certain level of education as well. But regardless of our education, a lot of folks were just not aware of what was going on in the world right. regarding local policies and national policies That's and right. things that could impact us. And mm -hmm. so from that, that from a happy hour instance, <laughs> that's how my podcast was born to be honest with you and i did it with a co-host a good friend of mine mm -hmm. and we said we would use that platform and she was from the caribbean mm -hmm. and you know so she had a lot of questions about african-american culture right. i had questions about caribbean culture right. and we would just question each other and say hey let's get together with this podcast mm -hmm. while we can sit up there and learn from each other as well as educate others for those who were not following politics as much. And so we came up with this mission statement, which I decided to continue to adopt called empower, elevate and enlighten. And, and that's where we wanted to center our topics around to be able to empower folks to get involved and to educate them and enlighten them and things of that nature. And so it just worked for us to be perfectly honest with you. And so eventually my partner and I end up going separate ways and I end up really just taking over the podcast myself, which was a new space for me altogether, right? Right. But the mission statement, the, the vision, the goals still remained. Yeah. So I didn't feel a need to revamp them at all whatsoever. I say, like, hey, this foundation is set. I'm just going to run with it as a, a solo act. And it's worked for me so far. Yeah. And what I love about it, and, and your podcast is, is the Being Blunt podcast. And, and I, I love the name because it, it implies like, just like kind of like it is. And I know it's sort of a right. you know, play on words, but it is, it's like, you know, telling right. it like it is. And um, that's kind of who I am as well. So I re resonated immediately with that. And then what I really love is how you, you um, package these great amounts of information in 15, you know, five to 15 minute segments, like really short segments. And so, you know, I wanted to like get into it because when I, we had our conversation, we talked about there's so many things we could talk about, right? In the world of, of um, what's going on today in our community. But what I think popped up for, for myself and, and for both of us is this whole critical race uh, theory mm -hmm. and, and, and how it's impacting the space but like really why it's so important for us to get in the mindset of being responsible for educating ourselves and for me personally my child so like our children the next generation so would you just talk a little bit about you know that the, the critical race theory space for those who are are not as familiar with the details of it i think people kind of get an idea of it but but the details Absolutely. You know, Dr. My Maisha, I have to admit that was such a troubling time for me when I started stop 
to do some research and smell the roses with that one, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my busy, high-paced life, you know, I was seeing it in the news mm -hmm. and kept it moving and didn't really take the time to hear what it was about. Um, so when I allowed myself to stop and really engage in what was going on in the news, I said, hmm, let me do some own research for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me down the path to start researching it because apparently, you know, it was coming off as negative by the media. It was coming off negative by certain politicians. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, let me just see for myself because I, I do realize medias have their own agenda, right? So I have to make sure I right. want to get the true, you know, get the true message myself. Mm -hmm. And then what I learned that critical race theory is sort of this academic framework on how we look at laws and policies that have shaped America and how it literally has impacted us. Mm -hmm. And it literally got started uh, with a doctor, Dr. Bell in the 70s, and he was a professor at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And since then, 26 more scholars have added to it and so forth. But it was so deep because what I realized that I was also impacted by it, because now you're talking about uh, you got one aspect of it that you're looking at it, you know, policies and laws through the lens of uh, uh, people of color. But then when you start looking at the battlegrounds on the educational field and how it was shaping curriculums, right? Mm -hmm. I got a little angry doing this research because I realized I started to reflect how I was educated. Right. All right. And there are certain parts of history that I could probably cite today, you know, like a professional. But then when it comes to our role in history, very limited, you know, and I mentioned in my podcast, you know, you, you hear about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, some of the, right some of the, 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 the routine folks that you kind of hear frequently, but we've done so much and we were so involved. And a lot of our history may not necessarily be pretty. It may have been very violent. It may have been very dark. And, but the fact that a lot of it was erased and not yeah. taught to us, right? And I think that's what really prompted me at some point in my life to even want to attend an HBCU because I, I started to come to the realization that Obviously, we had more to do in history than the few characters, or I, I couldn't call them characters, than the few legendary icons that we know right. that played such a pivotal role in our, in our um, American history. And so it wasn't until I went to an HBCU, I was sort of um, enlightened mm -hmm. more about our role. And then at the same time, you know, a little angry, then why wasn't this covered for me in high school, you know? Uh, and then from there, I guess life happened that I ended up having, you know, moving on with my career and it sort of dropped off until it just reemerged recently. Right. And I started sort of doing this deep, deep study about the battle for critical race theory in our schools and the fact that it could actually impact the curriculum. And, you know, you know, the importance of a curriculum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and so, you, you know, the interesting thing, and I want to just point to something like. This is not only is the history, our history erased around our nation, like the, the American history, the role that we have in America, but the role we have in the world. Yes. In the yes. world. Yes. Right. Right. Like some of the the inventors and some of the surgeons, and some of the, the people who were not in America, who were in Europe, who were in Africa. Correct. Who were, who were doing these amazing things, creating these amazing things, building, inventing, 
Yes. Right? Artistry. Yes. Music. And you're so right. And it goes on. It still is going on today because even when I talk to my kids and they're much older, they're around 18, 19, 20, a little older. Mm -hmm. And when we start to have these discussions about, you know, tell me about some influential people of color that you know about. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize they were just as limited as I was. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's a still ongoing problem for us where I think now, as I look at the messaging right now, and it's still very active in the news today, I'm seeing at, you know, school boards, I'm seeing meetings that's happening with PTAs and I see none of us in these, any of these meetings right. raising our concerns. Right. And now the messaging from maybe you know, the powers to be in the political structure have now sort of made this anti-message where critical race theory is bad and is going to make white people look like the enemy, to be honest with you. And I'm like, ah, they have actually sort of repackaged this message, put a negative connotation to it and have now sold it to the world, to the states, to the school boards, to the educators. And now you see parents involve parents at these meetings saying we don't want critical race theory in our school systems and we don't want our teachers to be talking about that and if anything like that should happen then teachers need to be punished or they need to you know whatever yeah. the the disciplinary action may occur and now as i start to talk to teachers they really feel like their hands are tied mm -hmm. on what they can teach and they they feel like they can no longer go outside the boundaries of that curriculum even if they see things are missing my ex-wife was an educator mm -hmm. and she often talks about how uh, restrictive the curriculum has been. And she's a history teacher. So this really, really impacts her because her knowledge about the role we've played in American history is so lacking in, in the history books. Mm -hmm. And it frustrates her as an educator that she can't even talk about it with her students without having some type of repercussions to it, right? And so <laughs> we often have these type of deep discussions regarding what can we do? Yeah, I mean, the reality is this is the structure that was built, right? The white supremacy uh, culture, the structure, not built for um, us to have our, our history uh, elevated and Correct. recognized. And, Correct. and it's a, it's a, in my opinion, right, the opinions expressed here are not the opinions of everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. My opinion is that you know this is um, as as all as I think that this is a play on suppressing what really happened, right? Keeping not rocking the boat, and and yes, there's a bit of white fragility in there. Like, oh my God, what would happen if the entire history, you know, was mm. was revealed, uh, and maybe a little bit of white guilt? I don't know. Um, right. But the reality is that just because the history is not taught in schools doesn't mean the history won't get taught. And this is where we have to begin to take personal responsibility and learn the history ourselves. And this is, you know, we talked about, I think previous to this, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, our community diving into personal development and expanding ourselves and being responsible for teaching our children the history. I mean, it's, right. I think that the, 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 the ban or the fear of bringing the, the entire history into the school systems is more um, 
of a fear, and this is again my opinion, a more of a fear that they don't want their children to know the whole story. Not they don't want our children to know, because the truth is, you know, it, <laughs> we're. I think we, if we begin to be responsible for for talking to our children, our children are going to know anyway. Uh, but the, you know, white people don't want their kids to know the whole story because then these younger kids who are coming out are beginning to research for themselves. They're, they're a different breed, I believe, um, this younger generation, and starting to call out their parents and starting to find the history themselves. And, you know, I see them on TikTok, like, what? really, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't TikTok, but I do go on TikTok from time to time for entertainment purposes. And I'm surprised. <laughs> Let's just get that clear. <laughs> I do a little TikTok, just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. A little bit. got to come up with the times. But um, it's surprising to see some of these young, you know, um, young white girls and boys uh, who are who are calling their parents out, who are spouting the history, who are, you know, really... Um, I I struggle with using the word allyship, but you know, like being partners mm -hmm. inside of revealing the true history and and, and appreciating and honoring the true history. And I know there's there's others who are not doing that, but I I can see that happening. And so I think that the older powers that be are nervous about that. Yes, because the truth is, if the whole history gets out, it could dismantle the whole structure. When people get angry enough to say no. This this is a part of the history we cannot repeat that because by and large that's what's happening now is right. we're just repeating history, and right. and nobody wants the cycle to get broken except for well us but nobody <laughs> over there wants to, the cycle to get broken. So I think that's why it's so important for um, us to like really begin to take on the response, take on some of the responsibility for our own families and children to say hey. You know, it may be a while before we can get this in the schools because I think it's quite possible that that can that could happen in the future. Right. However, in the meantime, in between time, we got work to do. We do. You know, I'm trying to be cool, but you have gotten me so excited inside. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost ready to jump up and scream like, yes, she has it. Oh, yes. <laughs> but you hit the nail on the head, particularly with the younger kids today, the younger white kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. Probably at their age, they're probably more woke than I was at their age, right? And okay. they know a lot and they have embraced um, our culture. Mm -hmm. They are immersed in our culture. And, and as we saw in the riots that were going on um, after these tragic incidents, they were out there in the numbers, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases. And it, it was it, it made me actually feel proud. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that this younger generation is down with what's happening and what's not being shared is it's the parents and the grandparents above them that are this obstacle. Right. And they have key positions in certain areas of our government, city, local, national and so forth. That's pushing this down. And so, right, it's going to take some time. And right. We have to take matters into our own hands and educate and really push patience. Mm -hmm. uh, for us to get to that final goal. But also, I think we need to take a step further and be a little bit more involved, too. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, Absolutely. I think we need to be involved in these meetings. I think we need to be involved in positions mm -hmm. where we can have that type of influence on policies and so forth and really 
time to get off the sideline and get involved. And it, it took me a while to get there. And now I feel pretty good in that space. And as I meet others that are in that same space with me, it makes me real excited to be perfectly yeah. honest with you, you know? So you, yeah. you, you had an excellent point and I was just trying to contain my coolness. I'm like, don't lose it. Don't lose it, Sean. <laughs> well, you know, I just think you're so right. Like we need to be stepping up into these, these active roles, you know, inside of our PTAs, inside of our school systems, inside of the community. What, what are some other ways, like as parents, we can get involved to really begin to have a voice that's, that's you know, for the, the full education. I say the full story rather than just his story. You know, and, and that's that's an excellent question. And I, I actually came up with a couple of points that I even listed at the at the end of my podcast where I, mm -hmm. I mentioned that, hey, we need to continue educating ourselves about mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. there was a, a struggle for me because there's just this wealth of information out there on the Internet and trying to bring and narrow that down to five minutes was tough, I have to admit. And my research continues, right? But we have to educate ourselves. I think also there's a need to share what we've learned, you know, because some people, it's, it's sad to say, but it's reality. Some people are just busy being parents and being just living life, right? And, and some people will just not haven't opened that door to allow themselves to take time and, and do that research. And so a lot of times that's what I love about my podcast because a lot of my friends follow it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'll get that sort of feedback where they say, Hey, Sean, that, that was good information. I never knew that. And that was a validation for me to say, okay, what I'm doing is right. It's I'm communicating out to friends, families, associates, strangers, and all who just did not realize what was going on. So sharing that knowledge, I think, is very important. I also mentioned getting involved, whether it be going to the super board, I mean, the, the school board meetings, going to PTA meetings where parents are emerging and talking about these things and, mm -hmm. and, and seeing what they're saying at a local level. Yeah. And there's going to be opportunities for parents to weigh in on that. We need to seize those moments, right? We need to really... Hey, 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 I have something to say about that, because <clears throat> I think in the direction you're going, you're not telling the full story. And I think we need to really explain that to folks, because a lot of times and I have some white friends and we have these really, really deep discussions. And when I shared from my perspective, they was like, well, Sean, I never knew that you just changed my whole outlook on looking at that, you know. And so now you just gained an ally <laughs> to go with you or or hear it from your perspective and be have this open mind at these PTA meetings or these school board meetings. You know, those were just like some of the things that I could think of mm -hmm. right off the top of my head and on how we can get involved. But I admit you said something that was key. This is going to be a long battle. It's going to take some time for us to really see that change, but we do have to start yeah. that change, you know? Absolutely. I think as part of this whole movement to dismantle the the system of oppression, it all it, this is like one of those um, one of the components, right? This is one of the major components is dismantling the the oppression mm. or the suppression of true history in the education system. And, you know, as a as a physician, I'm involved in dismantling the structure of oppression and racism inside of the healthcare system. I mean, there's so much to dismantle. There's so many areas 
to dismantle it. And so, you know, I think everybody has their part to play and, and it's important to, to know, well, what is, what is your part in the scheme of things? What can you contribute? Even if it's something small. And I think sometimes when we begin to talk about, well, you know, how can I contribute to dismantling the, the, the system of racism or the white supremacy culture that we, we, um, that we live in, it seems like so gargantuan. It seems so big and right. so overwhelming, like, oh, I'm just one person. But doing things like going to the school board meetings, being a part of the PTA, talking to your friends, educating your children, these are the, these are the small steps you can take that create the ripples. And as we know, with a whole bunch of ripples, we'll create a wave. Right. Maybe even the tidal wave. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you are absolutely right. And maybe this question I have for you falls in your line of work, because I run into this quite often. Sometimes as this new era activist, I might call myself. Um, I, I think sometimes the frustration takes me to a depressive state. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because you see things happening and you feel like our action or reaction is not fast enough. And this goes back to what you said about having that patience. Mm -hmm. And then you, you just start to wonder, man, can we ever make that change? Will I ever see it in my, my, my lifetime, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm seeing it differently now as my kids are now starting to go out in the world as young black men. Yeah. And now they're starting to encounter things in regards to white privilege that they're starting to see and just mm -hmm. racism that they're now starting to see. And I'm realizing yeah. that I had them guarded and protected so long. Yeah. I start to question myself, did I prepare them for the real world as young black men? Because they really grew up in the suburbs, had mostly white friends, mm -hmm. but now they're seeing, now that they're starting to leave this area of comfort and go out there as young black men, now they're calling me sharing issues with me that they're seeing for the very first time. Right. And it, it almost puts me a little bit into a depression state because I'm like, geez, it makes me question my parenting. Like, did I prepare them for the real world? I know I was trying to give them a, a better. I mean, I grew up middle class myself, but yet as parents, we want to make sure we give our kids same type of life, if not better. But then I start wondering, did I really prepare them? And then you know, I don't know. My mind is always moving a thousand miles a minute questioning things, you know, and I'm just trying to make sure that I keep my mind healthy in yeah. regards to this battle. You know, Sean, it's such a great question. I mean, um, I can share with you that I, I grew up in, in Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. Right. And, you know, just about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour down the street from Coleman, home of the KKK. Mm -hmm. And I was aware of it. But surprisingly, I never, I don't recall ever experiencing personal um, instances of racism until I left Huntsville and came to Atlanta for college. It was mm. when I was 18 in college at, you know, my university, which I will refrain from naming here. <laughs> but if you want to know, you can go look it up on my website. Um, <laughs> that I experienced this this thing called racism. I was like, how can I, and then I, now I wonder how could I have gone the whole, you know, of my young childhood life and not experienced it for myself. But the truth is probably my mom saw some things and intercepted because same thing. She was trying to, to live this, to, to give us this good life. I don't blame my mom for that at all. What I say is I don't think we're ever prepared 
for the personal, you know, it's like you could mm. see it happening in the periphery, but when it happens to you personally, you're never really prepared for that. So I would, you know, you have to give yourself some, some grace as a parent. We have to give ourselves grace as parents. And, and because the truth is, I, I, there are things that I didn't know until I was well into my adulthood about our history, right, you right, know, that, about right. politics. There are right. some things just even within the last five years that I'm learning that I'm coming. And you said, I like you said, how did you how did you frame it? New new uh, new wave activist, <laughs> new <laughs> like, era activist, new yeah. era, new era activist. <laughs> I kind of like that because I think that's sort of what I've come into, and I, I, you know, it is what it is. And so um, I have accepted just to what you spoke to. I've sort of accepted that this is not going to be resolved in my lifetime. And, mm. and letting go of the expectation that I'm going to see significant change in my lifetime lets me to continue to take action knowing that sometime, maybe in my son's lifetime, the mm. ripple will affect will actually be felt, right? Uh, I gotcha. Because that's and that's the only way I can reconcile it because I can, I totally get it. It does feel like we're doing all these things. There's you know we're trying to change policy. We're trying to get in the leadership, and there are micro changes happening. You know if you kind of look um, from where you're sitting and doing the research, it's easy because you to see the news and the bad things happening. But then there you have to actively look for the good things that are happening so you can kind of see some of the effects of the ripple. And right. so we have to be actively looking for what is happening, but also be unattached to that change taking place in our lifetimes as now I'm speaking, you and I are speaking as Gen X, um, Gen Xers, right? Because right. Then there's, you know, there's like the millennials and then there's a Gen Z and then or Gen the, then there's generations that I'm not even, I don't even know what they're called yet, right? My son's generation. So as Gen Xers and anyone who might be listening who may be a boomer, we just know, okay, this is not going to be resolved in our lifetime. But perhaps, you know, in my son's lifetime, my son is six and a half, perhaps, perhaps in his lifetime, right? He'll right. We'll see a significant change because that's the generation that's going to take it to the next level as far as I'm concerned from what I'm seeing, you know? Okay. And the way we ensure that is to continue to educate them, continue to empower them, to continue to, like for myself and my son, to make sure that he is grounded in who he is. He is grounded in the history. He is, he's aware of the full story and not just the history, no matter what he's being taught in schools, right? That he knows he's being advocated for and somebody's got his back, and that he's immersed in a community of his peers. And right, like right. older peers, younger peers, so right. that he knows somebody's got his back, even if I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I, you know what? I, I certainly appreciate that encouragement right there because, you know, it's like I, I probably lose sight and forget the younger generation behind my kids' generation mm -hmm. who will continue that. So it definitely gives me some hopes and tells me, hey, Sean, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to influence and impact the younger generation that's going to take on this fight way longer uh, than you will. And now it just kind of puts things back into perspective. And sometimes I need that balance, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and to hear it from a medical doctor makes me feel real good <laughs> about that. So I, I do appreciate that because sometimes I question whether or not it's resonating. 
What am yeah. I doing? Is it resonating? Right. Um, and my kids be like, dad, you're too serious. Calm down, dad. Relax a little bit, you know? So yeah. appreciate that. That was nice. Yeah. And it's, and, and it can be challenging to relax when you see all that's going on. I really get that. But just if yeah. you think of it, like how I think of it is like our parents' generation started this momentum, right? There's the, there was a movement, parents' generation and beyond. It's like, it takes a moment to start momentum. So now we're carrying on. And, and of course, I think there was a little bit of a lull in momentum because I think we got a little too comfortable mm. thinking that, you know, oh, we've made so much progress. And we right. have made some progress, obviously. Right. But we are now generating more momentum for our children. I think, we, I think now more than ever, and it's sad that it took you know, lives lost, you know, for, for this kind of momentum to be created. But now we have more momentum than we've ever had before. And we just have to keep taking those little actions, those little actions to build the momentum for the change that we're making. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we all continue to make those little ripples, we're, we're creating that momentum for our children, for their peers, for their children to continue on. And the more momentum we get, the faster the change ends up coming. So we just, I just say, well, you know, not in my lifetime. And if it does happen in my lifetime, well, Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just accept I'm an attached to in my lifetime. Right. And then I'll, I'm creating momentum for the next generation. Like that's the context from which I act. And as long as I do that, it allows me to just keep taking those little actions, knowing that this is not for me. This is for them. Was there ever an incident that put you in this space that you can think of? Was there er um, something that happened in your life or in the world that, that made you say, hmm, I, I need to have a voice in this and I, I want to be a new era activist myself and, and see what I can do? Was there is there anything that comes to mind? Absolutely. The moment and, and it's 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 interesting that it was so recent, but the moment like the, that, the pandemic, the Ahmaud Arbery mm. followed by uh, Breonna Taylor, Breonna and, Taylor, and, and, and George, Floyd. George Floyd. And then that, I think the switch went off in my head when, when George Floyd happened, right? When George Floyd was murdered, mm. it was like, this is like unacceptable. And I think until then, I, there was some advocacy, some like sideline advocacy that was doing but there was a point where I said, you know, there has to be a way with my particular brand of expertise that I can impact this conversation. And that's mm. when I became so much more vocal about it. I think from before then, maybe I was a little bit nervous about being so vocal as a physician, you know, um, in, inside of this whole white supremacy culture space inside of our own industry, we're conditioned a particular way. But as I shed, um, my own limiting beliefs and do my own work. And as I learn more about the power of language, I know that I have a say and what I say matters. And when I connect with people like you, and I think that was the, that's the quintessential thing is like really connecting with other people like you who are in this work. I know that I'm not alone, but that was the moment that I was like, this is unacceptable. There's got to be something I can do. You know, for me, it was the Trayvon Martin mm -hmm. situation, right? Because 
at some point, I, I didn't see Trayvon Martin. I saw my my kids. Yeah. Right. When they played the videotape of, of him um, yelling out for help before he got shot, I heard my kids. Mm-hmm. And that that was that cha- that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I, up until that point, I've never participated in a protest. I never marched. Mm-hmm. I was always a little bit behind the scenes with my activism, more like mm-hmm. Alfred the Butler of Batman. Right. I was behind bat- bat- Batman doing things. But that one brought me to the forefront that brought me out there protesting with signs because i was like if that could happen to a young man going to get skittles Mm -hmm. that could have been my son and that was during an era when our young kids were wearing their hoodies just for the sake that that was a popular thing back then and i used to always like tell my son especially when we were in a public place take that hoodie off right Mm -hmm. take it down Mm -hmm. but that was very popular for that age group then and so Making that connection that that could have been one of my sons just really got me out of my seat and said, "Okay, I I have to have this voice now. I have to get out there on the front lines. Mm -hmm. I have to continue educating and sharing this. And it it really sort of circles back to this whole critical race theory, because when you look at how Mr. Zimmerman actually, you know, was acquitted, Mm -hmm. it goes back to Dr. Frederick's Bell ideas of looking at the laws and how right. racism are integrated into, you know, integrated into the laws. Because right. I, I really do think that had that been perhaps a white kid, I think that the verdict may have been differently, right? Absolutely. Have, so that that was the point. I, I was curious about yours, and I, I know for a fact that that is going to always stand out as the one incident that moved me up front to say, I got to get involved now. Yeah. And I remember, it's interesting because I remember... Um, when Trayvon Martin happened, like really going into a depression and not knowing how I could make a difference. Like, you know, I think that was still when I was in clinical medicine. I was like, well, I'm, you know, it's, it's weird to hear, hear me say it out loud. It's like, I'm just a doctor. Like, what can I do? Right. Mm. And I wasn't even, I don't even Mm. think I was a parent then either. Right. It was before I had my son. But what's interesting is what you said um, about what you heard when, um, with the murder of George Floyd and he called out to his mom. Right. That is where I heard my son. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like that just took me out. Right. So, yeah, you're right. It's about the laws that it's interesting. I'm just going to tell this quick story with something I read today and then, you know, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up. But I was reading this article about this fight on Frontier Airlines that happened. And. Uh, in the fight, apparently, there was a, a white man who attacked a black man on the plane because he thought he was not moving fast enough to get his his um, bag down from the, the upper compartment. So the white man is caught on video beating up this black man on in Frontier Airlines. And several people tried to intervene, including the air, the air pilot the air uh what do you call the the not the airline pilot but the um the the, the stewardess this the yes yes the flight attendant yes and so what was reported is that the white guy walks out of the of the plane and the black man was held behind even though he was the one that was attacked Mm. and he walked right past the authorities and was not even and then the black guy didn't even press charges Wow. That, and wow. I read that and I was like, wow, isn't that interesting? Hmm. Wow. wow. You know, so it's just, it's in everything every day. 
It and, is. And that's why it's so important for us to, you know, get involved in whatever way we can get involved. Whether oh, it's, it's highlighting these things happening, it's going to your school boards, it's, it's educating your children, it's educating ourselves, it's, you know, remapping our minds, whatever the way we need to do that. I'll tell you one of the ways that I've started to really look at, well, how can I, because you said, you know, there's a wealth of information. How can I begin to educate myself on histories is podcasts. So, you know, yeah. I subscribe to your podcast. There's a <laughs> number of, of, of Black history podcasts out there, too. Hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. And there's even some history podcasts for children. And I'm looking to see how much, you know, there are some that have some, some like pretty significant black history moments in there that are outside the, the, you know, the normal ones that were taught in school. Right. And so I've started to look into these podcasts and listen to them with my son in the car. And it's been really enlightening. So if you're looking for ways or for the people who are listening to, um, consume more information about the history and you it is so much information you don't know where to start look for a podcast that's 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 excellent idea excellent yeah Yeah. and for current events listen to sean's podcast (laughs) and and you know i i will say this and i know you're about to wrap it up because i was doing a little research on you so i was listening to some of your podcasts right and i know for me sometimes when i'm going through some serious um, deep depression sometimes. I, I certainly like to pray, right? And I I'm, grew up in a very spiritual family, so I certainly like to rely on prayer. And I, it was one of your earlier podcasts where I think you were being questioned in regards to NLP and was it countering spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, you know, how, it, how could you practice this when, you know, for the most part, we grew up getting our strength from God. Mm-hmm. And so I guess someone was questioning you in regards of the two. And mm-hmm. you, you literally broke it down by saying, actually, I think it, if you were involved in this remapping of your mind, it actually will help your, your, your closeness uh, with God, where you'll be able to hear God, you know, when you're meditating. And I thought that was so deep. When I was listening to that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to more of her podcast. She, <laughs> she is like really educating me on some things. And so I really enjoyed it. I think I went to bed listening to it, Aww. to be perfectly honest with you. So I, I agree. I think podcast is a great tool yes. we could use yes. to educating ourselves on, on things of that nature, just because there's so much information out there. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, this has been such a good conversation you know you already know this is the first but not the last i already said it we, we're gonna have some some definite because there's so much to talk about and and so i definitely look forward to us doing this again tell the listeners how they can find your podcast for those who are listening by podcast though how do how is it that they can reach you my podcast. Okay, so I'm definitely on all platforms, right? So I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on. Um, I'm trying to look. I'm forgetting all of the platforms out I there. Stitcher. It's Stitcher. Play. I'm on everything. So <laughs> I'm ev- almost every platform where podcasts exist. Being blunt is there. Also on Instagram, I'm at Being Blunt Pod, which is all one word being blunt pod pod and then on facebook it's separated out being blunt pod so it's not all one word on facebook so those are like the two main 
social media platforms that I use to sort of get my message out there and yeah. certainly hope that people will join me as I continue with this journey. Uh, I'll do the research. I'll share my opinions and I'll push it out there and hope to be able to engage with the listeners to get their perspective, too. You know, I yeah. think that's important. It very much is. Well, you know what, Sean? Thank you so much for taking the time today. It Absolutely. was so, so, so great. You all heard him. Being Blunt podcast, Being Blunt plot, Being Blunt pod on Instagram, uh, all one word, but not all one word on Facebook. Right. On all the platforms, wherever your favorite podcast platform is, just search Being Blunt podcast and you will find him and take a listen because it is good and it's time efficient. You can listen between calls on the road. If you're going to the store, it's so efficient. So yeah. go check them out. Thanks so much, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll talk again soon. We'll do. Okay. All right. All, All right. right. You guys. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. You heard it. You go take a listen to Sean. And thank you for being with me on the podcast. Of course, without the podcast, without the listeners, there is no podcast. Um, stay tuned for our next one. I don't know who our guest is going to be. And uh, I will see you all on the next one. You all stay safe. Stay healthy and have a wonderful rest of the day and week. Namaste. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Remember to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode. Also, this is truly a movement for us. And I'm committed that this message reaches the masses. However, I am clear that it is you, our listeners, who help us to grow. So if you like this podcast, I would love and appreciate if you'd let us know. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and then share it with just three of your friends. We want to expand our reach and bring transformation to all of our brothers and sisters out there who are still seeking more freedom, purpose, and peace of mind in their lives. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to join our community, it's simple. Go to www.mindremappingnation.com. And if you're interested in learning more about NLP and hypnosis and how you can learn and train with us, consider looking at our upcoming classes. You can read more about that at remapmymind.com or schedule directly if you want more deep work at remapmymind.today. As always, we love and appreciate you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Namaste.